Hey, thanks so much for listening to NPR's Ask Me Another, and I want to tell you about a new way to get the news each morning. Up first is the morning news podcast from NPR. Give us 10 minutes or so, and you get a sense of the stories and big ideas of the day, the stuff you really need to know, and why it matters. Start your day with Up First, weekday mornings by 6 a.m. Eastern Time on the NPR One app and wherever you listen to podcasts. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Keswick Theater outside Philadelphia, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We have a great show for you. Four brilliant contestants are here to play our nerdy games. They're backstage piecing together clues left by the founding fathers, hoping to find the national treasure. (laughs) But only one will be our national treasure. And our special guest is Amy Sedaris. She... She has a new TV show coming out about entertaining and hostessing, and she says each episode will center around a traditional theme, such as fish or grieving. (laughs) That does remind me of the dinner party I had to cheer myself up after my goldfish died. He was delicious. I don't know what I'm gonna do when my dozen pet oysters die. Our first two contestants will play a game about fictional hotels that are somehow worse than the actual hotels NPR books for us when we're on the road. First up, Courtney Mink on buzzer number one. Hi. Welcome. You're a finance assistant at a car paint company. Yes. Welcome. Uh, Your opponent is Seth Tannenbaum on buzzer number two. You are a doctoral candidate in history at Temple University. Yes, I am. Welcome. Courtney and Seth, the first of you who wins two of our games will move on to the final round at the end of the show. We've got a trivia game for you called Trip Revisor. We have written fake reviews of famous fictional hotels. Just buzz in and identify the hotel. Here we go. A nice young man showed me to my room, but then kept talking about his controlling mother and later stabbed me while I was taking a shower. Zero stars. Courtney. Bates Motel. Bates Motel is correct, yeah. (laughs) Stabbing couldn't have been that bad if they can write a review. Yeah, it was just a light stabbing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Located at the end of Lonely Street, ever since my baby left me, this has been a great place to dwell. Also, I heard Elvis stayed there. Seth. Uh, Heartbreak Hotel? Yes, of course. It'd be good if Rebound Hotel was like across the street. (laughs) Super quirky, pastels and muted pinks, a lobby boy who wears a hat that says lobby boy, and a concierge accused of murder. Plus, it's in three different aspect ratios. Just pick one, Wes Anderson. Seth. All right, so I didn't see this movie. All right, that's an interesting way to preface an answer. But it's drawing a complete blank. So the hotel, I can't remember. Okay, but you know a movie exists that you did not see that That holds the answer. Yes, I do know that. We should probably give it to him anyway, yeah. right? It's in his head. It's close it's enough. It's in its head, though, somewhere. Courtney, can you steal? Is it Hotel Chevalier? That is Wes Anderson? No? I think that was like a mini short movie, but... Yeah, that's yeah. a Wes Anderson deep cut. We're not... Uh, we weren't going into his early works. The answer was the Grand Budapest Hotel. Let's try this one. It's so nice to have this place in Romania just for us monsters to relax. No humans allowed. Dracula is a great host. Five steaks. Courtney. Hotel Transylvania. That is correct, yeah. The hotelier Basel has a short temper, but he does bear an uncanny resemblance to John Cleese. Puzziger Archon. 
Uh, this was a BBC sitcom that only lasted 12 episodes, but is considered a classic. No? Do you want to guess? Courtney. Faulty Towers? Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is your last clue. This place is weird. They let a kid ride his big wheel in the hallway, and someone wrote red rum on the bathroom door. Still, the views are spectacular, so two and a half stars. <laughs> it's got a great bar. <laughs> if you want to take a guess, part of the hint was um, the views are spectacular, and if you just want to use that and throw something out, I'd say it's worth it. <laughs> Seth. Uh, a room with a view. It's hmm. a good idea. <laughs> we were looking for the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Okay, Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our contestants do? It was a bit of a tough game, but congratulations, Courtney. You're one step closer to the final round. Next, Jonathan Colton will throw his toupee in the trash and treat us to a music parody about bald people. But first, let's check in with our contestants. Courtney, I recently learned that the most popular uh, car color is white. Is that true? Yes, and there are lots of shades of white. Right, I'm thinking they don't just call it white. There's got to be sexier names. Uh, Yeah, and and also depending upon the country, it's, you know, like Japan... White is a popular color, but in China, it's a different shade of white, and they call it different things, but it really is the same color. So there's a lot of international, you know, hostilities around white, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I just bought a white car. Seth, you're a former national ultimate Frisbee champion in Spain. How is your title specific to Spain? Because that is where I want it. (laughs) I was studying abroad in Madrid, um, and I joined an Ultimate Frisbee team because I play Ultimate Frisbee. Thought it would be fun. Thought it would be a good way to meet a lot of Spanish people. It turns out it's a great way to meet a lot of Americans studying abroad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and what do you get when you uh, win a national... uh, A nasty hangover. (laughs) Let's go to your next game, where we finally grant Jonathan Colton his lifelong wish, which is to play a series of Eagle Song parodies. My whole life I've been waiting. We are in Eagles country, so this game is called Bald Eagles. We took songs by the Eagles, the band, not the team. Their songs are terrible, and rewrote them. It's just their strength is not songwriting, that's all, I'm, that's all I mean. And rewrote them to be about people who are currently, or were at some point, bald, either naturally or via shaving. Buzz in to identify the bald person that I'm singing about, and if you are correct, you may name the Eagles song for a bonus point. Okay, Courtney, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're going to the final round. Seth, you need to win this, or as a penalty, you'll have to polish every Ben Franklin statue in Philadelphia. (laughs) which I know is more than one. Yeah, I would think so. Okay, here we go. On a dark desert highway She drives the war rig 2004 Oscar From a previous gig A South African model On film she became A tough Avenger with a prosthetic arm Furious is her name Courtney. Charlize Theron. Yes, that's right. Do you know the song? Hotel California. That's right. Well, I'm a speeding down the road in a franchise bestowed where I'm playing Dom Doretto. First delivered me fame in the fifth, the rock came, one of them's in Tokyo. Seth. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel is correct. Do you know the song? Uh, Take It Easy. Take It Easy, you got it. He used to play ball in the NFL. 
Then he gave acting a chance So you can see him on Brooklyn Nine-Nine now He's the guy who makes his pecs dance Courtney Terry Crews That is correct And the song? Peaceful, Easy Feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Terry Crews' story, I feel like, is a good inspirational story for actors, that they just have to become professional football players first. It's a good shortcut. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This pop star had a meltdown back in her prime. She scored with Hit Me Baby one more time. Courtney. Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the song? Take It to the Limit? Yeah, that's right. Was possessed in the extreme. First to call the Ghostbusters team As Ripley she kicked ass supreme Too bad in space no one can hear you scream Courtney Sigourney Weaver Yeah And do you know the song? No, this one I don't know I don't know song. It is Lion Eyes. Sure. Smattering of applause for Lion, Lion, Lion Eyes. Can't hide them. Alright, this is your last clip. Irish singer had her big breakthrough When she sang nothing compares to you She owes that one to Prince Courtney uh, Sinead O'Connor? Yeah, that's right. Do you know the song? Sorry to disappoint, but no, I don't. Oh, you haven't disappointed. You've done a fantastic job, Courtney, but it is called I Can't Tell You Why. Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our contestants do? I'm afraid we have to say goodbye to Seth. Courtney, you won both games, and you're moving on to the final round. Coming up, Amy Sedaris joins us for the ultimate showdown between arts and crafts. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and you're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR. We'd like to say a quick thank you and share a message from one of our sponsors, Green Mountain Coffee. Green Mountain Coffee is passionate about making a smoother tasting cup. Their expert roasters and tasters sample, sip, and carefully craft every blend until they're sure your cup is smooth and perfectly balanced. And now, as a special listener promotion, get $4 off when you buy two boxes of most Green Mountain Coffee K-Cup pods at Keurig.com with the code NPRGMC. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Columbia Records, presenting John Mayer's new album, The Search for Everything, including the singles Love on the Weekend and Still Feel Like Your Man. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, coming to you from the Keswick Theater outside Philadelphia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung, and now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, our contestant, Courtney, won her way to the final round at the end of the show. We'll find out a little later who she will face off against. But first, it's time to welcome our special guest. She's a actress, crafter, author, and rabbit educator. Please welcome Amy Sedaris. Thanks for coming out. Amy Sedaris, such a pleasure. And I have to say, I, you know, I first knew you, of course, from Strangers with Candy, your role as Jerry Blank. It's a cult hit on Comedy Central in 1999. It uh, was a satiric take on after-school specials. 
I mean, it was kind of way ahead of its time in terms of the humor level, and I'm just wondering, have you thought what it would be like if that series came out now? Well, people, uh, RuPaul recently, name drop, uh, asked me yeah. that question. I don't know if it could be made now. I mean, you just can't make fun of anything anymore. But look, I mean, that's what we did in Strangers. We hit everybody. We made fun of everybody. So maybe yeah. that's one reason we got away with it back then. But, and plus now, it just seems like everyone is kind of doing that kind of humor now. So it wouldn't really stand out as much. Or before, we were just in the woods doing a show, making each other laugh, not thinking we had an audience. Yeah. And we didn't even know we had an audience until we did Wigfield. And then we saw these ugly people in the audience, and we were like, oh, my God, we have fans from Strangers with Candy. And I brag that we have an ugly audience, because that's the best audience to have. <laughs> right, because there's no social media. You're not getting this immediate feedback. So you, right. this is what you went on tour for the book. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, all the fans come out, and you were like, oh, you guys like the show. Oh, my God, show. yeah. We had no idea we had an audience at all. Because that was what we liked about it at Comedy Central. Like, they gave us a horrible time slot, and nobody was ever around. And <laughs> we really were in the woods doing that show. But it was kind of fun because then the people that saw it back then, we felt like they discovered it. You know, yeah. it's kind of fun when you discover a show and it's just not like, you know, people are just racking over your head saying, watch the show, watch the show. Well, and also that you hit an audience that is dying for this particular thing, yeah. right? The fans weren't just like, yeah, we like it. They were like, this is what yeah. I've been waiting for. Yeah, that was fun. But you have a new uh, show that you're working on for True TV. I do. That is about entertaining and hostessing? It's going to be my, my version of my homemaking show based on my books, uh, I Like You and Simple Time. So it'll be a little cooking and crafting and decorating. Are there guests? And... I'll have like maybe actors playing guests, you know, like okay. a termite inspector or a fishmonger, you know, people like that coming into my home. Um, <laughs> But then, you know, whenever I watch those shows, like I watch Martha Stewart or I watch a show like that, you know, you, or, or like Bob Ross, you know, I watched Bob Ross recently and I just love the feeling. I felt hypnotized and by the end of it, I really felt like, wow, I, that was really, I mean, I want to capture that feeling. But once you start writing a show like that, you get bored real quick. Like you're like, oh my God, you, you can't mix comedy and real in a way. It's like you want one or the other, right. you know, so... I'm learning that right now. Because mm -hmm. every time I'm like, no, I want to do it for real. I want to teach how to make a real cream sauce. It's like snooze a ruse. It's like there are enough people that can really teach you that. Right. Now I'm thinking maybe I should go for the laughs. <laughs> so you're not really going to learn anything, but that's what I want you to do. <laughs> learn what not to do. You are uh, an excellent rabbit mother. Yes. Uh, the name of your rabbit pet right, Tina. Tina. How's Tina doing? Tina's up to seven pounds, and she's chewing me out of house and hole. She, I've never had a rabbit that's chewed this much. I've give, I gave her way too much freedom too soon. And you can't really discipline a rabbit, so there's nothing I can do about it except lock her up at night. But Paul Donello came over the other day, and he had a satchel with a leather strap. Gone. Gone. <laughs> now I have to track down the company. He's like, you got to replace this strap. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, she chews everything. I don't, you know. But you were, you were just saying you can't discipline them because you're an educator with the House Rabbit Society. I have a badge. You have a badge? Yeah, I have a badge, okay, and well, I use it. Is it in the... Any excuse to get into anyone's home, I'm there. I forget about the rabbit. I'm, like, looking at their artwork, going, you know. You need to go out and get these clippers, and meanwhile, I ransack their house. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, is the badge, look, does it look like a... It's laminated. <laughs> <laughs> That makes it official. And what is a common mistake people make with their house rabbits? Well, you shouldn't give them the entire apartment because it's really not safe for them, jumping on, uh, up and off the bed or, you know, they could really easily hurt themselves. So, you know, I should have her in a hutch of yeah. some sort in my apartment. And they don't know what to feed them. And they, they expect rabbits to be cuddly and, uh, you know, fun like a puppy or a kitten. And right. they're, they're just not really like that. You just kind of stare at them, stoned, and then you're like... <laughs> You just can't believe all of a sudden they'll, they'll hop and skip and jump and twirl and you're like, <laughs> and you think, it's like in a movie, in a cartoon, when you see the plant move across the thing, you're like, did, that, did I just see that happen? So it's more like just fascinating to, to watch, watch them clean themselves and watch them chew expensive chairs and, you know, <laughs> that's what right. they're for. <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's a participant observational relationship yes. more than... Like, okay. You stay there, I stay here. We work. 
you were also, I remember I really wanted to take advantage of this when I first moved to New York, that you ran a cheese ball and cupcake business out of your apartment. Yes. But allowance money. That's what that was for, allowance money. Yes. But it ended. It did because, A, everyone started doing cupcakes, and, B, I got a cockroach and mouse problem pretty quickly. <laughs> And I just decided to put it to rest. So I stopped that. So now I just sell lighters and um, pot holders. But the pot holder kit that I used decided to change their colors and the quantity of pot holder loops you could get. Oh, I could go on forever about the pot holder company. You know, they're like, you can get bigger ones. Who wants a large pot no. holder? You know, anyway, I get so mad. And when I think about it, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll get over it. Hold on. <laughs> and then I sell catnip toys. I... I have a no, no I have a, um, a fabric line. It's not successful, but I have a fabric line. I know my money manager is like, okay, here's a big four dollars you got for eight months of sales, and it's me ordering the fabric. I get online and I order my own fabric. I'm so the Lower East Side Girls Club makes the catnip toys for me. I supply the weed and the and the fabric, and they make them for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to clarify one thing. When you said you sell lighters. I sell lighters. My godson, you know, he likes dum-dum lollipops. So I, I gave him, like, his fifth one, and he handed me the stick back, and I was putting it on my counter where there was a lighter, and I was like, ping, ping, dum-dum lighters. So I cover my lighters with a dum-dum wrapper, and on the wrapper it says, save wrap to make fun stuff. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm so proud of myself for coming up. I haven't had a new idea in so long. So um, and, and I'm very busy. Yeah, how many lighters are you? I can't even believe I had time to make it here tonight. So. <laughs> You know, these, these lighters sound kind of amazing. Everyone needs a lighter. Everyone. I gave it to a 13-year-old, and the mother's like, no, I said, you know, she can light incense or a, you know, votive candle for some yeah. dead person. You know what I mean? It's like everybody needs a lighter. I mean, you learn that in Girl Scouts. That's right. Yeah. I was very interested in that you hosted an art auction for the Super 8 Hotel yeah. chain. Yeah. Because uh, they were getting rid of their art. All their ugly art. And they yeah. asked me... I thought it would be fun because I had to rename it all. And it was really hard. Like, hard to think of something boring and vague. Our heads were hurting. I got a group of friends together and just to come up with a name. And we were like, everyone we named early menopause just because it had that <laughs> color. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very good. It was pretty funny. So you wrote a book called Simple Times, Crafts for Poor People. And we have actually made... A guessing game for you about crafts. Okay. As you know, some crafters sell their work on websites like Etsy, and others take the art form to the next level, and their work is made it all the way to the Smithsonian American Art Museum. Uh-huh. Woo. So in this game, we are going to describe a craft, and you just have to tell us, is it something that you can buy on Etsy, or is it something that you would find in the Smithsonian? Okay. Very That's easy. Fun. Okay. Depending on how well you do, our listener, Callie Sargent, who lives in Virginia and is 12 years old, oh. is going to win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Oh. Okay, so this could change that her life. That sounds fun, a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd rather have a lighter, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's give it a shot. Okay. This piece is called Hairy Armpit Tea. The artist statement says this is a feminist work. It is a plain white T-shirt with simulated armpit hair made of black thread hand-embroidered in the underarm areas. Etsy or Smithsonian? It's Etsy. It is Etsy. Yeah, yeah, it's Etsy. Oh, it's a good idea. I like the idea of little pit wigs. Those must exist, <laughs> right? A little pit wig. You, you've had some little wigs, small oh, wigs. Oh, you have a lot of little wigs. I used to cover my doorknobs with them. <laughs> it's a lot of hair to have in your apartment. In the summer, it sucks. This piece is called Black and Gray Toaster. From afar, it looks like a purse, but upon closer inspection, it's actually a fake toaster made of black vinyl, copper wire, and thread. Etsy or Smithsonian? What is it? You tell me, what is it? What is it? Smithsonian? Smithsonian. Yeah, that's correct, oh, Smithsonian. I totally cheated. Yeah, Smithsonian eats definitely Smithsonian. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Okay. This piece is called Batman 2. It's a knit Batman onesie sized for a six-foot-tall adult. 
<laughs> Etsy or Smithsonian? Oh, I, it's Etsy. No, it's Smithsonian! No yeah, the piece is by Mark Newport, who knits intentionally sad-looking superhero costumes. Wow. Which is a kind of art. Okay. Yeah. Is he seeing anybody? <laughs> okay. This is your last clue. This piece is called Neutrophil Cross Stitch. Okay. It's a scientifically accurate cross stitch diagram of a white blood cell. Smithsonian okay. Okay, you're or Etsy. It. You're selling it to me, so I'm going to say Etsy. Yeah, it's okay, Etsy. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> I got to say, I kind of want this. It's uh, 19.99 on Etsy. And the description says it's perfect for lab techs, uh, nurses, doctors, and vampires. <laughs> check, 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 check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Puzzleguru Archung, how did Amy do? Congratulations, Amy. You and 12-year-old Callie Sargent have both won Ask Me Another Rubik's Cubes. Just an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank Amy you for Sedaris, everybody. Amy Sedaris. Coming up, it's a word game where we learn what happens when you read from right to left. That's right, it's Torah time. Let's meet our next two contestants. First up, Emma Lowe on buzzer number one. You work for the State Department of Transportation. Welcome. Thank you, yes I do. Okay, so. Emma, you're working with autonomous vehicles. Now, how do you safely put them on the roads? Like, I think of self-driving cars as the end of humanity <laughs> and the machines have won. Is that close? It is close. Okay. Uh, they're, they're winning, uh, but we're still winning too. Hmm. That sounds... We're, we're winning a little less. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think they're safe, or do you think we have a long way to go? I think they're safe. Really? Uh, my, my boss has been in several, uh, and she has walked away uh, perfectly fine. So, uh, But mentally, is she okay? Unclear. Okay, got it. <laughs> Your opponent is Josh White on buzzer number two. Hello. Welcome. You own a bakery that received a cease and desist for creating a baked good that was too similar to a cronut. Too similar, and we used the word cronut, and they were not happy with that. <laughs> we, we kept making it and changed the name, and that was enough. That was it. So you actually had the guts to throw it out for the first time and just go, yep, cronut. It was close enough in time that it hadn't been trademarked yet, but then we got the letter. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so what is it called now? We called it the Swiss Crow Creme. <laughs> and then winked. Right. Remember, Emma and Josh, the first of you who wins two of our games, will move on to the final round at the end of the show. Let's go to your first game. Jonathan and I will give you clues about a well-known phrase, but the last word in that phrase has been reversed. You have to guess what the reversed word is. And for an example, let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung. Sure, easy. For example, if we said, my roommate is a villain, but we get along because our motto is live and let blank, you'd answer evil, which is the word live backwards. Yeah, so just do it in your head really quickly and <laughs> yell it out, you know? <laughs> let's go. Fight addictive behaviors by adopting a dozen animals in this program called 12 blank. Josh. Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> a 12-step program. Right, okay. but backwards. Okay, you're, going, you're getting there. So <laughs> I'm going to walk you through it. The program is called 12 blank. So you said... A 12-step program. Okay, so it's 12... 12 steps... Reverse the reverse word. steps. Twelve SPCA. Okay. It's gonna come clear right this second. Emma, can you steal? Pets. Pets. Oh. Right. I get it. Right. Twelve steps. <laughs> the Rolling Stones ask why meat-based pasta sauces taste so good. In their hit song, Brown Blank. Emma. 
uh, so it's brown sugar. Uh-huh. Uh, sugar reversed. Uh-huh. Is car- carm- caramel? <laughs> just, just, all right. No, I, I, just I the, help you. The word, just the word sugar. Ragu. Ragu. Ragus. Ragu. That's right. Okay, here we go. Here's your next one. Sometimes when things are tough, it's best to stay with the pack-based predator. You know, just go with the blank. Josh. Go with the wolf? Yeah! I get it now. In a world before sonar... The commander of the Nautilus navigated his submarine by interpreting events around him as portents of things to come. In Captain Blank. Josh. Nemo backwards, so omen. Omen is correct. You got it. Josh's confidence is soaring. (laughs) Giving both sides of the answer to show the process. This is your last clue. The acne was fine. The rosacea I could tolerate. But these small growths resembling cauliflower are the last blank. Josh. The last warts. Warts is correct. Straw backwards. Puzzaker Archung, how did our contestants do? I feel like we've all had a journey. It was a journey! (laughs) Uh, Congratulations, Josh. You're one step closer to the final round. If you live on a diet consisting solely of anagrammable foods such as alphabet cereal and alphabet soup, you probably have rickets. Also, you should be a contestant on our show. Info at amatickets.org. Coming up, do you hear the Liberty Bell ringing in your ears? Well, that's tinnitus. But after the break, our contestants will play a game we wrote just for Philadelphia called What the Bell? I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and you're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from Little Passports. Check out Science Expeditions, the new educational subscription that kids and parents love. Monthly packages arrive packed with activities and experiments around themes like rockets and solar power. In the first month, your child will extract DNA from a strawberry. Learn more at littlepassports.com askme, where listeners can save 40% on their first month with the coupon code ASKME. 1A is NPR's new daily show inspired by the First Amendment. 1A is the news with those who make the news. Great guests and topical debate all framed in ways to make you think and engage. Each day, 1A will champion your right to speak freely. Check out 1A with Joshua Johnson from WAMU and NPR on the NPR One app and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is NPR's Ask Me Another, coming to you from the Keswick Theater outside Philadelphia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung, and now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Josh and Emma. Coming up, they'll play an audio quiz inspired by this riddle. What do you call a bell that makes no sound? A national landmark. But first, let's check in with them. Emma, what's your ringtone? I'm pretty boring. I I stick to the marimba. (laughs) It's a funny statement. I'm pretty boring. I stick to the marimba. (laughs) It's an oldie bit of goodie. Yeah? Okay. Josh, what's your ringtone? Uh, Mine is the really creepy whistling assassin in Kill Bill. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. People like that. Works calling. (laughs) We're here near Philadelphia, home of the Liberty Bell, so your game is an audio quiz called What the Bell? We'll play audio clues about people and things that have bell in their name. And you just have to ring in and tell us the answer. Josh, you're in the lead, so you win this, you go to the final round. Emma, you need to win this, or we're all going to go after the show 
to Wawa and you're buying. (laughs) It's fair. It's fair. Here's your first clip. So when you see the naked chicken chalupa with the first shell made entirely out of fried chicken, you might think it's crazy. Crazy delicious. Emma. Taco Bell. That is Taco Bell, yeah. It's weird that they say naked chicken. Yeah, uh, you shouldn't call attention to the fact that the chicken used to have a body and walk around, I feel like. (laughs) Or that you took off its dress. Yeah, (laughs) Listen to this. He was mean and he was coarse and unrefined And now he's dear and so unsure I wonder why I didn't see it there before Name this famous Stockholm Syndrome victim and the movie she's featured in. Emma. Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, that's right. Winona Ryder danced to the song in a movie where she was more chill about supernatural shenanigans than she is in Stranger Things. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body liner. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake it all the time. Work, 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 Sinora, work your body Who sang this song? <laughs> Emma. It's from Beetlejuice. Good. So. Belle from Beetlejuice? No, no, I know. Yeah, it's a good idea. Good idea. Someone else sang the song, Josh, Can You Steal? Who sang that song? Belle Biv DeVoe? (laughs) Was that her Belle and Sebastian? Those were the two Bells I had. We were looking for Harry Belafonte. You know you're a 90s kid if you can name the TV show this clip comes from. You know, I have so much food inside of me, you could put a quarter in my mouth and a bag of Doritos would come popping out. (laughs) Josh. Saved by the bell? Yeah, that's right. Name this Scottish band. Stars of Trackfield, you are. Stars of Trackfield. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you want to just buzz in and take a guess? No? Emma? Bell and Sebastian? Yes, that's correct. I already said that. <laughs> I know, Josh, you talked yourself out of that, right? Yeah. Because you're like the only two I know. So. I would have gone with Bell Biv DeVoe again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me the full name of this fictional character who has questionable taste in men. I'm designed to kill. I don't care. I've killed people before. It does not matter. I wanted to kill you. I'm here, I trust you. Emma. I'm upset that I know this, but it's Bella from Twilight. Yeah, we need the full name, so. We're looking for her last name. Yeah. Uh, well, her name eventually becomes Bella Cullen. <laughs> I think that's a deep cut, so we'll give that to you. All right. <laughs> so we were looking for Bella Swan, but then you went a step further <laughs> and told us where she's at right now. Very good. All right, Puzzle Guru Archong, how did our contestants do? Well done, Emma. You won that game, so you've tied it up. So it's time for a quick game three. I'm going to give you a category, and you're going to go back and forth naming things that fall in that category. The first contestant to mess up, either by giving me a wrong answer, repeating an answer, or taking too much time, will be eliminated. Buzz in to answer first. Here's your category. We're looking for the first nine cities or locations that have hosted the MTV reality series, The Real World. Josh, you are first. Miami. That is correct. Season five. Emma. Seattle. Seattle, season seven, Josh. Los Angeles. Correct, season two, Emma. Boston. Boston was season six, 
Josh, your turn. New York. New York was the first season. Emma. Vegas. No, I'm sorry. Vegas was much later. The other <sighs> ones were Honolulu, London, New Orleans, and San Francisco. Emma, I'm sorry to say we have to see you go. Josh, congratulations. You're moving on to the final round. While Courtney and Josh get ready for the final round, it's time for me and Jonathan to play a game called Mystery Guest. A stranger is about to come on stage. We have no idea who this person is or what makes them special. Only puzzle guru Art Chung does. That's right, Ophira. You and Jonathan will have to work together as a team to figure out our mystery guest secret by asking yes or no questions. Mystery Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Anna Doty, and I have an unusual job. That's right. Whoa. That's all you get. Okay. It's pretty broad. That's all you're going to get. All right. Anna, do you work with people? Yes. (laughs) The way you said that is creepy. (laughs) Okay. When I said creepy, you got excited. Do you work with dead people? Yes. What? What? (laughs) Wow. Two clues to dead people. Let's figure this one out. Wait a minute. Do you work in a morgue? No. Oh. Dead well, people, but no morgue. No. Not for my, not for my full-time job. Just, just your <laughs> hobby, the morgue. Uh, side, side business, side, sideline. <laughs> okay. Sorry, that might have thrown you. No, um, no, I'm, I'm back in this. I just had to take. I feel a like moment. I'm taking a polygraph, and I mean, I have it's to great. Be no, it's truthful. great. Okay. Do you work in like a science lab with cadavers? No. Hmm. Okay. Do you have a weird crawl space in your home where you keep the people that you've murdered? <laughs> well. I don't feel... I think I need to plead the fifth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Are you embalming by any chance? Are you... I'm not, no. Okay. No. But someone you know is? <laughs> okay. Um, somebody is, presumably. Somebody is, yeah. Is, so, is there embalming done on the premises? No. We wouldn't call it embalming as such. Okay. Oh. Is the premises... The premises? What's the premises? <laughs> is the premise a public space? Part of it is. Part of it is a public space. Yes. Do you work in a museum? Yes. Oh, Wait a second. Do you, okay. Yeah. Uh, right, Philadelphia, right? We're in Philadelphia. It's that a Museum of Oddities. It's the, uh, the Mütter Museum. Yes. yes. Are you kidding well me? Done. So yeah. Anna is the curator of the Mütter Museum at the Ooh. College of Physicians of Philadelphia. Wow. The museum is considered America's finest museum of medical history, and it contains preserved collections of anatomical specimens, models, and medical instruments. Some of the collection's highlights include the tallest skeleton on display in North America, Grover Cleveland's jaw tumor, and slices of Einstein's brain. Yep. Okay, so the natural question is, how did you get into this line of work? Were you first a curator, or were you first um, something else that led you specifically to be the perfect person for the Mütter Museum? Um, well, basically, I'm a forensic anthropologist by training. That's what I always wanted to be. Really? Yeah. You can come intern for me sometime. Okay. <laughs> It'll be fun. Yeah. I'm from Philadelphia, born and raised. Uh, shameless pandering to the crowd. Uh, but really, I live seven minutes from here. And so this was one of the reasons I said I would do this, because I don't have to <laughs> Convenience. come very far. Convenience. You know. Um, So, yeah, I was a forensic anthropologist. I still am. That's why I I do occasionally work for the medical examiner's office when they get a um, FGDT. Um, I come in and I I do my thing. What is an FGDT? um, Far gone dead thing. (laughs) And that that is not an official law enforcement acronym. (laughs) I just made that up. It's good. Are the oddities that are on display at the Muter Museum changing often, or is it a set collection? I, I still am actively collecting. I mean, I will, I will accept new donations. They have to fit within our collection parameter, of course. But, um, and what do you say is your collection parameter? If I say... I like you? it. Okay, right. <laughs> um, I mean, technically we have, you know, limits. But if I like it, it's probably going in. Um, and but I'm, I've got a degree. I mean, I'm not Hannibal Lecter collecting. No, I'm just no. Like, I have a, I, I'm, a, I'm a professional. I'm allowed to do this. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to do this. Okay, so what grosses you out? 
Because you have a different, like, you are fascinated by all of this stuff. You, you live and breathe it. It's something that you find, you know, it's what, what you do every day. So, you know, what is it to you that you see and you go, that is just too much for me? Well, not, nothing grosses me out, but there is one recent addition to our collection that creeps me out. Okay, yeah. Sure, creeps is a better okay. word. So we have our, our, one of our newest um, exhibitions is all on human skin. And so we recently, well, I haven't gotten to that part <laughs> okay, yet. Okay. Uh, so yeah, but um, we got a collection from um, a well-known university in this area. They said there's some tattooed skin in jars. So you know, immediately I'm like, yes, please, um, because that's what you do. But then we got them in, and I started to take a look at what some of them were, and you know, some of them were, were, were nice and actually quite pretty. And then there was the clown. And this clown, I put it on exhibit, and you, you walk by, it follows you. <laughs> he kind of creeps me out. Okay. Have you named this clown? No, don't give it a name. That's okay. power. I'll... <laughs> but is there one thing that I should not miss? I have not one, but two jars of picked human skin, but they're not in the same area. And it's actually from a living donor. And she has um, an actual condition. It's called dermatillomania, although I think they changed the official name of it. What it does is it's a talking point. It's a stepping stone to talk about mental illness and, and disorders because this uh, dermatillomania is part of the obsessive-compulsive disorder spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so in our collection, we don't have a lot. It's very hard to show mental illness. You can't show a brain and say, this is depression because you can't tell the difference. But a pick jar of human skin has gravitas, you know, oh, you can, yeah. and, and people will look at that and then they'll stop and then they'll read the label, which is very educational and it informs you mm. about this condition. And so what I always like to say is people come to the museum for lots of different reasons and, and, but they always leave informed, more informed than when they came in, whether they like it or not, whether they want to or not. Right. You're going to leave informed. Yeah. It's my job. Well, I have to say, Yeah. It is nothing like any place I've ever visited before, and uh, you as a curator, you are nothing like anyone I've ever met before, <laughs> and I'm so happy uh, that you agreed to walk the eight minutes and be on our show. <laughs> Everyone give it up for our mystery guest, Anna Doty. Now it's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalists, Courtney Mink, who works for a car paint company and can name 50 shades of white. And Josh White, who owns a bakery that ripped off the cronut. <laughs> Puzzleger Archung, take it away. Thanks, Ophir. Courtney and Josh, Philadelphia is where America's founding fathers wrote the Constitution, which had a pretty good run. So your final round. <laughs> so your final round is a patriotic finale. Every answer will contain the word red, white, or blue in the answer. So for example, if I said a fairy tale character who just wanted to visit her grandma, you'd answer Little Red Riding Hood. We're playing this round like a penalty shootout. Today's big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube and a box of gourmet cupcakes autographed by Amy Sedaris. <laughs> we rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Courtney is going first. Here we go. Courtney, the Wheel of Fortune letter turner. Vanna White. That is correct. Josh, Toronto's bird-named baseball team. The Blue Jays. That is correct. Courtney, in the song Formation, it's a seafood restaurant chain Beyonce might take you to, if you're lucky. Red Lobster. You got it. Josh, she's the daughter of Jay-Z and Beyonce. Three seconds. Bluesy. <laughs> that might be her nickname, but her name is Blue Ivy. Courtney, it's a Nick Jr. show about a man named Steve who lived alone with talking salt and pepper shakers and a colorful animated puppy who created mysteries for him to solve. Blues Clues. Blues Clues is correct. Josh, a famous rock duo with Jack on guitar and Meg on drums. The White Stripes? That's right. Courtney, rules that prohibit the sale of alcohol on Sundays, ruining my weekend more than once. Blue Laws. That is correct. Josh, it's a nickname for an overnight flight. A red eye. A red eye, correct. At the halfway point, Courtney, you're up four to three. 
Corny, a music genre that usually involves a banjo or the state nickname of Kentucky. Bluegrass. That is correct. Josh, a California park home to the tallest trees on earth. Three seconds. Uh. We were looking for Redwood National Park. Courtney, this body of water separates Egypt and Saudi Arabia. The Red Sea. That is correct. Josh, here's a situation. If you get this question wrong or she gets one more right, Courtney wins. Astronomers say one of these rare events will occur on January 31st, 2018. A blue moon. That is correct. Courtney, if you get this right, you win the game. It's Derek Zoolander's signature look. <laughs> blue steel. That is correct. Congratulations. Congratulations, Courtney. And that's our show. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now, Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Scott Russ, Ellen Title, and senior writers Karen Lurie and J. Keith Van Stratton. Ask Me Another is produced by Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Denny Shin, Ramel Wood, and our intern Toya Singh, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore. Ask Me Another was created by Eric Newsom and Jesse Baker. We'd like to thank the Keswick Theater. Kick the sweater. And the staff at WHYY. YWHY. And our production partner, WNYC. CYNW. I'm Harip Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, Cameron Esposito tells us why on earth she would marry another comedian. Uh, Because I want my life to be a living nightmare. (laughs) I want to be with somebody that's a little bit challenging, especially now that my marriage is legal. It's like, what am I going to spend the rest of my time fighting for? You know what I mean? (laughs) Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia.